0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. How are you doing? It's great to see you. We uh, like the Winter Wonderland. Not too shabby. I love me some Christmas. Hey, before I start, I got to know what kind of church I'm pastoring. Uh, so I got a couple of questions for you. Uh, raise your hand if you are a real tree person. Oh, yeah. Okay. All y'all fake tree people, raise your hand. I, 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 whoa, 50-50. Okay. I'm actually a fake tree house. I have really terrible allergies. Uh, my wife literally wept that we had to get a fake tree. Uh, we used to go cut the tree down, but um, with, I mean, I got so many. Would gave give me vertigo of the tree? I mean, that's dramatic, but I'd be like, I, I felt dizzy. And then we found out it was the tree, so we're a fake tree family. So, okay, 50-50 in the house. Second question. This is an annual tradition at this church. Um, I was having this debate at my, uh, with my barber yesterday. Do you believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yeah. So if you think it is, raise your hand. Yeah. That's my people. <laughs> John McClain had plans on Christmas to save the world. Um, who thinks it's not a Christmas movie? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. 70, 30, Okay. Okay. Here's what I want you to know. If you're a fake tree person, you can come to our church. If you're a real tree person. You can come to our church. If you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, you can come to our church. If you don't, there's a ton of great churches. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's where I draw the line. Too far. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just, I, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I grew up on action hero movies. Um, Not cartoons, not because I didn't like cartoons, it's because my parents weren't saved and we watched every bad movie you could think of as a kid. Um, Pray for my mind to be restored and redeemed. Um, Okay, are you ready for the message? Before I move on, I got to just give a big thank you to Joe and Mike T. Did they crush the last two weeks or what? So good, so good. Rachel and I were in LA visiting her family and then I spoke at another church last week so it was sweet, but there ain't nothing like Mission Church. Nothing like home. I'm going to read you uh, one of the big verses from it. We're going to be Luke 2, basically, the whole month um, of this series, All I Want for Christmas. I want to read Luke 2, verse 10 through 11. I want you to see just one word that really jumps out to me in this one today. We're going to talk about it. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Everybody say great great joy. Not good joy, not okay joy, not kind of joy, great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Tell time of the message today is all I want for Christmas is joy. is joy. Last time I preached, I shared this study that I stumbled upon. Out of 190 countries, uh, America is the second most depressed out of all the countries in the world. And it's bothered me. Yeah. And as your pastor, uh, that's not going to be our church. Yeah. Um, and the reason why is because this... Man who is fully man, fully God. Not 50% man, not 50% God. He's a full 200%, 100% man, 100% God. He was man enough to weep at Lazarus' funeral, but he was God enough to call him out of the grave. Come on now. This God came to earth so we could have great joy. And can I just tell you something real quick, church? The world needs a joyful church. Oh, they need a joyful church. Um, Frederick Nietzsche, who is this uh, philosopher, uh, fam- uh, old philosopher who died, uh, atheist, very famous, one of his most famous works is God is Dead, really attacked the Christian church his whole life in a way, um, uh, at being an atheist and a philosopher, and was a very brilliant man. Uh, and they asked him, why did you walk away from Christianity? Because he grew up in a Christian home. He said, the reason why I walked away from Christianity is I never saw any of my, my dad or any of my dad's church members uh, enjoying themselves. I saw no joy. They were miserable, and I didn't want any part of that miserableness. Trust me, the world needs joy. Will you bow your heads and pray? God, we come before you, and we simply say, you are God. We are not. God, we know you're sitting on the throne. God, that we know you have plans, and the plans that you have for us are good. And so, God, we say that your good plans are yes and amen, and they're going to come to fruition today. And in this season, oh, Lord, would you bless the message. May my words fall to the floor, and you will sore. God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said all right, uh, a couple couple quick things. Um, I grew up uh, in an interesting family dynamic. Most of our family was poor, okay? Uh, we were the poorest out of all the families. That was always nice. Um, we, were, we were food stamp poor, and then my aunt and uncles, they weren't very rich. But there was one family in our family, they were bawling, okay? Rich, rich, okay? Now, every Christmas, I was happy to see a lot of my aunt and uncles, but there was one family I couldn't wait to see walk through that door on Christmas Day, because I knew they had a gift that nobody else could buy me. And so I remember when I would even ask him for gifts, you know, my grandma would ask me for a gift, and I'd be like, Grandma, I don't want anything for Christmas, I just want a big old hug, you know? And then my other aunt and uncles would ask me what I want for Christmas, I'm like, I don't know, maybe baseball cards." you know? But then when this aunt and uncle would ask me, what do you want for Christmas, I'd be like, I want the new Super Nintendo. I want the new Game Boy, Game Gear, I want the new, you know, GameCube, whatever the new thing was. I want the new Jordans. Like, like I swung for the fences with these aunts and uncles. Because when they walked through the door, different presents came with them. And so I just, I, parties going, I'm like, oh, hey, good to see you, good to see you. Looking for my aunt and uncle. Hey, good, yeah, yeah, bye-bye. Okay, good to see you, good to see you. They'd walk through, hey, you're here! And you know, I'd run up, give him a big old hug. And I was a kid, I was selfish. I didn't understand that it wasn't about the price of the present, it's the heart of the present. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> there was just something about having the right people in the room. And... When you look at your life, a lot of us, if we wrote down what we want this next season, you maybe have a list of things, but you're never going to get it if Jesus doesn't walk into your room. You're never going to receive it if Jesus doesn't walk into that room. And, and the things that you want, oh, you're asking for, I don't know, maybe one of the reasons why we're so depressed is we're not actually asking God, God, can we have you? And can I have your joy? Do you know what it says in Psalm 16? That in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Not a little bit of joy, fullness of joy. And so the heart of this whole series is allowing you to know that Jesus decided to come to the room, decided to come to the world, come to the earth fully man, fully God, and say, I'm going to bring gifts that nobody else could bring. These other people, they can bring some kind of gifts, but I bring gifts that change the world. And the gift that I want to talk about is joy. And there's all these different verses. And I think joy um, can really preach to a whole room. Everybody in this room, I think I need to preach to. Because there's this verse in James, I never really liked it. It says, consider it pure joy for all the trials you go through. Because then it's going to develop a bunch of stuff. Thanks, James. And it made me realize that joy is twofold. You discover joy, but you also develop joy. Joy is to be discovered. It's to be developed because trials come in many forms and many shapes. Trials is like a Starbucks. You want a Vente trial. You want a Grande trial. You want a tall trial. What kind of what kind of flavor you want in that? You want a little extra caramel in that trial? I mean, because being a pastor, I'll go to one meeting and the trial be I'm single, Tyler, and I'm I just I just really desire to have a, a great spouse. And I'm like, all right, let's pray for it. And then I'll meet with a married person. I'm married, Tyler, and it's just <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, I, what's going on? I'll, i pray for your marriage to so, so the trial, singleness, and the trial marriage. They come in grandes and ventes. You know, um, this is just this is my life. You know, the trial. Oh, we want kids. We pray for us to have kids. I'll pray. for For it. We got kids, and and these kids, oh, they're not from the Lord. I don't know what happened. Oh, please help me. I mean, this can go on and on and on. So, we're going to have trials. That's a guarantee. And they all come in different shapes and different sizes. But maybe, just maybe in the midst of those trials, you're going to have joy when you're single, joy when you're married. Joy when you don't have kids. Joy when you have kids. Oh, I don't have a job. I hate it. Pray for me. If I pray for me, I have a job. <laughs> Which one is it? Yeah. The reality is, is that joy is supposed to be in all those seasons. Yeah, right. and, and, the, and the thing that's the problem with the church today, and, and, and I, I hate those statements, the problem with the church, like I know to every church. Um, here's what I'm going to say. Let me put it this way. The problem we have a lot of time when we talk about joy is that we don't think we're allowed to be happy because you've heard the angry preacher. Let me do angry preacher impersonation real quick. Ready? God doesn't care about your happiness. He cares about your holiness. And all the reform people are like, yeah, yeah. Time out. God the Father is not concerned about his kids being joyful. So we hear this. You'll never find that tag in the Bible, by the way. It was kind by an angry preacher and people post it and paste it and, is God concerned about your holiness? Yes. As a good father, is he concerned about your joy? Does he want to raise miserable kids? No, he sent his son. So there would be what? Great joy. So what's the problem? Why don't we have great joy? And that's what we're going to look at today. How do we receive this great joy? It's great when a presence under a tree, but if you haven't opened it yet, you haven't received it yet, because he kids up real quick, joy's under the tree. It's there for you to receive. Not some of it, all of it. Yeah. A lot of you haven't even unwrapped it yet. You ever seen those kids who get a gift, but they don't know how to use it, and then you walk in the room, and instead of them playing with the present, they're playing with the box instead? It's like a big old box, and they're walking inside the box. I love my new toy! That's not the toy! You're playing Homeless Man Gang. Get out of the box! Okay? Just being real. Get out of the box, and play with the real toy. And the reality is, a lot of you are playing with boxes. And my prayer is, is that you would receive and understand how to navigate joy. Now, i got a couple things I'm debating I want to share today. I'm going to do it. Okay. Um, i got three things I want to answer today. I want to answer, what is Christmas? Especially when we're going to start this Christmas series. Uh, the heart of Christmas. And then the gift of Christmas. And the gift of Christmas we're looking at today is there's different gifts that Jesus brings. He's the ultimate gift. And when, when he comes, because joy isn't a thing. Joy is a person. His name is Jesus. And so, uh, but I do think as we navigate this Christmas season, I think you should know that it's a context of something. things. So, so what is Christmas? Did Jesus come up with Christmas? Where'd it come from? So, so let me just tell you real quick. Uh, you're not going to find Christmas in the Bible. Uh, you're not going to find like Christmas uh, services. You're not going to find, uh, you know, in the early church, them having a Christmas uh, Sunday. They didn't have that. Christmas was birthed in the third century. And a lot of, some people, especially the Puritans, don't celebrate Christmas, the Puritans don't believe in Christmas. They think it's a pagan holiday because it was um, started around the same time as other pagan holidays. Uh, so they would work on Christmas to boycott it. And then there were so many Puritans in New England that if you celebrated Christmas uh, in early uh, America history, you would be arrested for celebrating Christmas. Talk about bah humbug, right? Or you'd be fined, okay? Because in the third century, there was this pagan god, uh, Saturneo, and they would worship him with mistletoes, giving gifts, gambling, and Christians would get the day off they didn't want to worship Saturnio. So they decided to make it a holy day and to celebrate the birth of their Savior. You know what else started getting celebrated in the third century? Birthdays. So they thought, if we're going to celebrate our birthdays, maybe, just maybe, we should celebrate the birth of all births, Jesus' birthday. Did you know before birthdays were celebrated, the things that were celebrated the most were baptisms and death? Those are the two most important things in people's lives. Them getting baptized was a big old party and their death was a big old party because they knew they were going to heaven. Now we celebrate birthdays, but maybe we should up the other ones a little bit more. Can we? Hey, plug for baptisms. Get baptized this next Sunday. That's pretty good, right? Hey, that's not going to get you to baptize. I don't know what will, okay? So um, third century, they, uh, they decided we're going to uh, start this thing called Christmas Mass for Christ, a service for Jesus to celebrate his birth. And so as a pastor, I look at everything as can we receive it, redeem it, or reject it? And I believe Christmas can be redeemed, Uh, It is not a pagan holiday. Uh, It can be redeemed and become a special day. I wasn't a believer growing up. And so when I heard about Jesus was during Christmas time walking Macy's and Nordstrom's, and they're uh, playing songs like, oh, holy night. I mean, like, huh? is this like a church? No, it's, but, but this is what happens when Christmas permeates our nation. It's an amazing month, and so we're going to redeem Christmas. I think Christmas is a good thing. Um, I, I never uh, saw the word joy more or peace more during this month of Christmas. Uh, I, I had a theologian write this down. Uh, when people were starting to blow up the church for having um, Christmas, he said this, we hold this day holy, not like the pagans because of the birth of the son, but because of him who made the sun. And so uh, even evergreens being in a house, Martin Luther made those famous. uh, That's why we have a tree in the house. Because evergreens, if you didn't know this, they stay green every season. Winter, doesn't matter how bad it is, they always stay green. They're always evergreen, hence the name. And it was supposed to represent everlasting life. No matter what, we'd always have abundant life if we're planted in Jesus. So that's where the evergreen comes from. So Christmas is a good thing. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we're not going to boycott it at this church. Uh, Second thing, the heart of Christmas. What's the heart of Christmas? Let me read uh, Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Oh, right there. A son is not sent. A condemner is not sent. Jesus is given as a gift unto us, given unto us. One of the most famous verses in all the Bible, John 3, 16, for this is how um, God loved the world. He gave, everybody say gave. gave, his one and only son. So famous, it sometimes loses punch, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you know Jesus is described as a gift 40 times in the New Testament? Not what he does as a gift, Jesus is described as a gift. Let me read you one of the verses 2 Corinthians 9 15. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. Paul is not talking about a thing, he's talking about Jesus. Thank you, God, for this gift, my Savior. He's just too wonderful for words. The heart of Christmas is that the ultimate gift was given to us for us to receive. And then we are a gift to give to other people. And so that's the heart of Christmas. That's why we give gifts. We don't give, maybe as a young kid, I just wanted the Super Nintendo, but now I understand Christmas at a whole nother level. Now let's talk about the gift of Christmas, the gift of joy. I thought it'd be a good idea uh, to look at, um, I would say, the person in the Bible that received the gift at the highest level, his name was Paul. Paul is this amazing apostle, if you don't know him. He is expanding the gospel Anywhere and everywhere he can. And in this moment in his life, he is in prison, in chains, and about to be sentenced to death. And all he's talking about is joy. He writes this book uh, called Philippians. And over 15 times he talks about joy or rejoice. I don't know about you, but if I was calling you from prison or writing you from prison, not only in prison, but also chained up to a guard and then also waiting my death sentence, I don't know if joy would come out of my verbiage all the time. Paul's dream was to go to Rome and preach in the Colosseum and to see all of Rome saved, kind of what happened in Ephesus. But Paul gets to Rome, and instead of preaching the Colosseum, he preaches to a guard chained to him every four hours, a different guard for two years. And in the midst of those two years, he writes a ton of the New Testament, and he writes the Epistle of Joy, Philippians. So I want to look at a case study. On joy, and I want to show you two verses. I want to read read, uh, read to you. One is uh, Philippians, uh, John fifteen, ten through twelve. It says this: When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. So when you obey my commandments and you remain in the Father's love, here's what happens. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Well, Paul put that to the test, and it actually happened. So here's what I want to do in this um, little teaching is I want to get you ready for the trials that are to come, and this next season, instead of being the person complaining, I got kids, I don't have kids, that you would just be joyful in that season. I was one of the older cousins, older brothers, and so when I would walk around in the house at a family gathering, um, one of the things that was my job was either to be the horse that would walk around with little kids on top of me, it's a fun job for about five minutes, Um, and then the other job was piggyback guy, just wanted to piggyback. And so I'd have cousins run up and, uh, you know, I'd give them a piggyback ride and walk around and everything. Well, as they got older, they wouldn't ask anymore. They would just run and leap on top of me, thinking that'd be okay. Well, as they got bigger, if I didn't see it coming, bam! I mean, they would knock me on the ground night-night, okay? So I remember, like, we'd have family gathering. All right, All right, all right, everybody gather around. Tyler's going to get piggyback rides today, but I need you to ask, especially you, because I... You know what? You're not allowed piggyback rides anymore, okay? And that's, sometimes you grow, grow out of it. And so, because uh, the reality is, is when you're prepared for something, you can carry it. When you're prepared for it, it's not shocking. It's not going to slam you to the ground. And when you're prepared for a trial, because you have the strength of joy, you can carry it, and you can drop it off. And another trial comes up, you can carry it, and you can drop it off, but you need to prepare to carry it. And so this gift I want to give you today through joy is you're going to be prepared to carry it this next season. So here's my points today. First one is this. Uh, Paul shows us in Philippians that one of the things that you need is Jesus came to make a people of joy. He came to make a community of joy. And so it says this in Philippians 1. Every time I thank you, I give thanks to my God whenever I pray. I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ uh, from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Least every time I think about you, I make my request for you, all of you with joy, with joy. He goes on to say, So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and defending my, and confirming the truth of God's good news. God knows how much I love you and how I long for you, the tender compassion, uh, compassion of Christ Jesus one of the big things that Paul shows us if you're going to be able to carry things and have joy in a season when you think you shouldn't have joy is that you need the right people in your life. I've come to this conclusion as pastor. It's not about what I'm doing, it's about who I'm doing life with. It's all about who you do life with. I think one of the most underrated things in all of life is friendships. It's so underrated. I think I think when you're looking if you're a single person and you're looking for a spouse, man, make sure that they're going to be your best friend not just somebody you just like hanging out with a little bit or you're attracted. Make sure they're going to be your best friend. Make sure when you go going to see you got best friends. One of my favorite illustrations that really shows the picture of Philippians that Paul keeps on showing about the people of God and the presence of God is he shows that they are stabilizers in your life. And I remember, I, th- I think I might have shared this two years ago in our Philippians series, but I, I, there's a lot of new people in the house, so I think it's going to bless you, is um, Paul talks about the people of God and the presence of God. And there's this picture I want to show you. When a plane's being built, there's this little fin in the back, and it's just like, it's not that big, but it, it's, it's a horizontal fin, and then there's another one not that big, and it's the vertical fin. The horizontal fin is put on the plane, so when we hit turbulence, the plane doesn't go straight down. Can we get an amen for that? It just little shake or back up. It helps you bounce back up, and then the vertical fin is when it's windy left or right. It keeps you going straight towards where you're supposed to get you to your destination, Those two little fins, we underrate them all the time. I never look at those ones. I always look at the big one to the right and my left. But the two in the back are just as important. And a lot of you have forgot about the two fins in the back. And so um, we're going to talk about the presence of God a little bit, so I'll talk about the vertical fin a little bit later, but the horizontal one. The reason why I am where I am today is because of people I had in my life that when I wasn't joyful, I would call them and they would give me joy. And also, can I just be honest? You need different types of people to help you in seasons. I, I, I had friends when I'd call them and be like, I have the hardest day. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, let's just pray. I'm so sorry. And then other people, I'm like, I'm having the hardest season. Tyler, get tougher. And I'm like, that's not what I want to hear right now. I mean, so I, I'll, just, I'll just share two, two types of people in my life. One, his name is Andrew Garb. He preached here a while ago. Um, he's uh, my childhood best buddy. I love him to death. Uh, he's like a brother to me. Uh, we, best friends since we were, gosh, uh, in junior high. And he's the guy that I would call when I knew I needed to know that I needed to develop joy, not discover joy. And so I'd call him when I knew, like, all right, I'm going to call Drew, tell him about my circumstance. I know there's going to be no hugging it. There's going to be no encouraging it. There's going to be, hey, consider it pure joy, man. Either go through it or leave. So, so I had this boss, and, and he was, uh, he was um, yelling at me. He was a terrible boss. And he's uh, ruining ruining like, just like the season. Because, again, it's not what I do. It's who you work with. It's who you do life with. And I would just be so sad. And I, I'd call one of my mentors, and I'd tell him about it. And they were my encouraging mentor. And they're like, oh, you know, Tyler, you're just acting so godly right now. Let's just pray. And I'm like, I am acting godly, aren't you? Okay, let's pray. <laughs> and, and so I'd pray. And i just just keep, keep loving him. And you know, just you know, uh, you know, let's just pray a little bit more and I pray a little more. Like, okay, thank you, and then so that's just me. And then, and I'd leave, like, okay, like there's joy in it because I'm coming more like Jesus, I'm being like Jesus to this person. So they helped me discover an, a- an-, an aspect of joy. Then I call my buddy Drew up, and the first few times, like, oh, yeah, man, you just gotta push through it. And then, like, I tell him again, like, the third time, and you're like, hey, time out, you got a decision to make. I'm like, what's the si- Well, what is it? Either you stay there and you are joyful and you're thankful. Or you quit and you find a place where you will be joyful and you will be thankful. Thank you? Like, he wouldn't let me stay in this rut of complaining. It was one of those friends that I, the plane was going down, and I just wanted to complain why it went down. This is just terrible. Let's just keep talking about how terrible it is. We're going down. It's going to be great. And a lot of people will just let you go down. Maybe even land the plane and then just start a little pity party and never, land, uh, never take it off again. But then you have other people like, hey, either you pull the plane up or you get out and find another plane. But you're not going to stay here and complain to me over and over again about the same thing. You either decide to be joyful, you choose joy, you find joy in it, you find thankfulness in it, and you stay there. You need people in your life to help you pull the plane up with a little bit of tough love and sometimes with a lot of kindness. If you don't have that in your life, you are missing out and no wonder you're missing out on joy. So the first one is, is uh, the, the Bible shows the gift of joy is found in people. Second thing is, Jesus came to give us a joyful perspective. A joyful perspective. So Philippians 1, he says, All I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ and because of my imprisonment. <laughs> Most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak of God's message without fear. And I just... I couldn't imagine Paul having this godly perspective on this type of level. Like, he wanted to preach in Colosseum. He goes, guys, this is all working. I found a perspective that works for me. And, 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 and what works for me is simply this. is I need you to know something. The gospel is still being preached, and it's being preached in a mighty way. If you study what happened in Rome, is that people that were actually in Nero's palace, his family members ended up getting saved because guards would get saved and tell the family members, and the family members would get saved. Two years... Four hours a day, a guard would be chained to him. Here's the math. Are you ready? He preached to uh, 3,200 guards in two years. So that's a mega church, if you ask me. 3,000 plus people chained to him every four hours, rotated over and over again. Hi, and that's me. I'm Paul. You want to hear a story? It's a little Christmas story I want to share with you. Right. See you later. Next guy. You want to hear a little story? I want to tell you something. He goes, I have a captive audience for two straight years. Every four hours, I have a new opportunity to evangelize. And when they don't want to hear it, they can't leave because they're also chained to me. It's an amazing thing. Perspective is an amazing thing. I remember growing up, I hated my nose. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. I remember the first time I found out it was big. A girl I worked with at McDonald's says, you know what I noticed? Every guy who works at our McDonald's has big noses. I was like, so does that mean I have a big nose? She's like, oh, you got a big nose. She goes, you look like when you were a baby, you just slept on your face. And I was like... So then I remember coming home for the first time looking in the mirror, I'm like, it is kind of a big nose. And I hated it. But then I'm around a lot of people and their nose gets stuffed up all the time. But me, those nostrils that can fit a quarter, I tried it in high school, okay? Never get stuffed. Perspective. I'm thankful that I have a nose that never gets stuffed. If I had one of those itty-bitty noses out there, always getting stuffed up, no thanks. I sleep like a baby every night, mouth shut. Hmm. Hmm. It's amazing what perspective can do. I love my nose, but it took me time to see a different angle. And if you can start not taking yourself too seriously and start not taking this world too seriously and start trying to find the angle of perspective and start really looking for it, you're going to have a joy that this world's like, man, how did you find that joy? Let's keep going. I got a, a ton of points. We're going to, there's going to be fast. This one's going to be the longest one. Here we go. Jesus came to be the source of our joy. Let's see. Look at this. Philippians 1. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past, as I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which would be far more better for me. But for your sake, it is better than I continue to live. Paul is saying things that is just high level. Paul's got joy no matter what. They're saying, hey, we're going to put you in prison. Good, I'll preach the gospel there. We're going to torture you. Fantastic. To suffer is to suffer like my Christ. Huh? You know? Okay, we're going we're gonna to let you go. I can preach the gospel. We're going to kill you. To die is gain. We're going to kill you. Die is gain. I'm going to you're, pray. You're set free. To live as Christ. Like, like, like every single thing had a joy statement. I'm like, this guy is weird. Paul is, how does a guy have joy in all four circumstances? How did he get there? How did he? Okay. I want to uh, address a couple things. So I addressed, you know, God doesn't care about your happiness. He cares about your holiness. That's not true. And again, happiness, the English word happiness is different than actually the biblical word happiness. Happiness is actually in the Bible. It means to be extremely blessed, supremely joy. So that's, it's tough to use that word. But you'll see these signs, and you'll, you'll hear them, and they'll just they'll almost become doctrine to you. And the word doctrine means just what you base your life on, what you believe. So when you see something, you start to actually create your own doctrine by what you believe. And your doctrine is the most important thing that you have in your life. The Bible says to watch your doctrine closely or else you'll lose your life. Watch what you believe in because it will affect everything that you do. And so um, these church signs uh, that, you know, I see when I drive by or I see a meme that somebody posts, these church signs, people will read them and they'll actually become something they believe sometimes because, well, that sounds like the Bible, so it must be true. And so I want to show you some signs. I'm going to show you some fun ones before I blow up the other one. Uh, so, so here's what a church sign, if you've never seen these before, here's what a church sign looks like. Do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. I just thought that's funny. Not that your preacher preaches like hell, but they didn't know what they were doing, so it sounds funny to me. So, so that's a funny one to me. Uh, let's go to the next one. This, uh, uh, too hot to keep changing signs. Sin bad. Jesus good. Details inside. That's somebody who... Is not working. Is zealous for the Lord. I hate this church. Satan. Okay? So these are all of these fun ones. You see these around. Let's give me another one. Uh, have trouble sleeping? We have sermons. Come here, one. This is, it's too good. It's too good. Uh, next one. Whoever is praying for snow, please stop. I like that. What's the next one? Okay, pause here. Pause, pause. So this one was funny to me. Two churches across the street from each other fighting their doctrinal beliefs about dogs going to heaven. So there's one church, um, is a Catholic church. The other one, I think, is a Presbyterian church on the other side of the street. And so the Catholic church, uh, this, this Catholic church posts, all dogs go to heaven. Now, if you know anything about the Presbyterian church, they are all about Scripture and doctrine, and they're so dogmatic. And to be honest, I find myself to be a Pentecostal Presbyterian. I love the Spirit, and I love the Word of God. So put your hands together. I love doctrine. So, so the, this Presbyterian church, here's what they put on the, their, their sign next day. Only humans go to heaven. Read the Bible. <laughs> right now, we don't have a dance off. We have a doctrine battle. Okay, a little, little, little blah blah blah. So then, so then, uh, next one says this: Catholic dogs go to heaven. Presbyterian dogs can go talk to their pastor. Okay. So, so the church sign battle has begun. Converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. Can you imagine driving your kid to church every day and just being like, what is going on right now? Then the next sign, free dog souls with conversion at the God church. <laughs> They're inviting the Presbyterian dogs. Come on over, Presbyterian dogs. Next sign, dogs don't have souls. This is not over for debate. They're just over it. And then the next sign, God loves all his creation, dogs included. Next sign, Dogs are animals. There aren't any rocks in heaven either. And then last sign, mic drop all rocks go to heaven, sucker. So, 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 anyways. So, you see all these, and there's this one sign I saw, and I actually like bought into it to an extent. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so right. That's so good. That's so true. You get these profound ones once in a while. Here's the profound one that I see. Go ahead and put it up here, real quick. No Jesus, no joy. But no Jesus, no joy. And it's partially true, but it's dangerous, because if you're not a believer, and you're driving by, and you had just went to Sprinkles Cupcakes in San Ramon, who loves a Sprinkles Cupcake? Woo! Love, well, who loves a good donut, okay? Who loves a good pastry? A good sweet? Now, imagine you're driving by that sign, no Jesus, no joy, N-O-Jesus, no joy, and you take a bite of your Sprinkles Cupcake, and you're like, I feel a lot of joy right now. That is incorrect. Because the reality is, is you can have temporary joy having a sprinkles cupcake. If you go to Disneyland, you can have temporary joy. For a day, it's going to cost you for two people 500 bucks to have temporary joy. But you'll have it for about eight hours. What Paul is showing is that the world offers circumstantial joy, but Jesus offers this source of joy that will never leave. And my my prayer is, is that as you look at your life, I'm going to make sure, I, I want to I read this to you. When Paul is talking about where his joy is, he lists four circumstances. Being beat, circumstance, I'll have joy because I get a suffer Jesus. Because my source is not the circumstance, it's who I'm living for. It's being like Jesus and being with Jesus. So you can be me? Well, guess what? I can be like my Christ. Oh, you're gonna put me in prison? I get to preach my Christ. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna kill me? I got to go be with my Christ. Oh, I got to stay here? I got to go tell people about my Christ. All four different circumstances, all rooted in Christ. The difference between joy and happiness is joy has a root to it. Joy has a source to it. And kingdom joy, no matter what the circumstances is, you get the more you get to know Scripture, you're gonna find a joy in it. But these other no jo- no joy, no Jesus. They're so temporary and fleeting. We, we, we think we can find constant joy in circumstance. No wonder we're so miserable. Right. Now, let's look at the next point. We're almost done. Jesus came to fix our joy. Jesus came to fix our joy. So Paul finishes with this in Philippians 1. We're seeing the first chapter today. It is true that some preach out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. So the Christian's like, Paul, it's terrible out here. They're, they're, they're preaching uh, in, with the wrong motives. They're trying to hurt you. Uh, this is not okay. They're preaching the gospel with the, the wrong, with, not the way we would do it. He goes to this. He goes, The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir trouble for me while I'm in chains. Paul says, But what does it matter? The important thing, everybody say important. Important. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Uh, This is a magnifying glass. And I haven't owned one of these. I ordered this on Amazon this week when I was studying. And what Paul is doing is all of us are given our own magnifying glass, spiritually. And the people come up to him, and they're magnifying the wrong thing. Their eyes are on the wrong thing. Like, oh, my gosh, you're preaching on wrong motives. This is terrible. No joy in this uh, perspective, looking through this. They're magnifying. So they come to Paul. Paul, look through this magnifying glass. Look what they're doing. And Paul's like, no, no, no. Let's look at what's important. Jesus is being preached, and that's a good thing. So when you are walking into circumstance in your life, the reality is is that you're magnifying something. You're you're magnifying the worst thing, or you're going to magnify the kingdom thing. You're going to magnify the selfish thing, or you're going to magnify the thing that actually advances the kingdom. Um, I'll I'll, I'll use uh, Rachel's example. So we moved five times our first four years. And one of the gifts that Rachel has is she has contentment on her. She's got joy on her. We'd walk into an apartment, and it was a one-bedroom apartment, and I'd walk in, and, you know, it's like 575 uh, square feet, but it has a view of the hill. And I walk in, I'm like, oh, this apartment. And we have a view of a hill, and there's cows on the hill. And Rachel walks in, she's just like, oh, my gosh, I've always wanted to have cows on my hill. (laughs) You've always wanted cows on your hill? She's like, it's the greatest place ever, Tyler. And I'm like, okay, 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 all right. We move to our duplex. And, you know, our duplex, you know, everything's old. It's, you know, somewhat broken down. And we uh, go to the backyard, and this time we have Deer grazing in the hill. She's like, oh my gosh, now we have deer to look at all the time. I've always wanted deer in the hill. And she's like celebrating us moving in. I was like, and I'm looking at like the sink is from 1980, the bathroom's from 1985, and Rachel's celebrating that she sees a deer grazing in our backyard. It's amazing when you walk into a place, you can either find the thing that will make you spin around and say thank you, or the thing that you say, I got to deal with this for the next dead of years. And if, if I could just show you a stat that how true this is, Gallup which isn't a Christian organization. They did a study during COVID about just depression and how people are getting more and more depressed. Go ahead and throw that graphic up real quick. So if you can't read this, it basically just shows male, female, Republican, independent, Democrat, you name it. Everybody got more depressed. Everybody. Um, Almost by an average of 10% more depressed. And when you're already depressed and you go down 10%, that's a lot of depressed. There's one group that got more joyful, not less depressed during COVID, and it's plus four right here. Blew my mind. Those who attend church weekly. The only group. Why is that? Do you know what we do at church every Sunday that maybe you don't say this, but the world is on fire, and things are crazy, but for the first 30 minutes, we take our magnifying glass, and we magnify the one that is in charge that's going to redeem that is going to do great things. Oh, come on. Habakkuk said this. way. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Though the fig tree does not bud. So let's read that in relevant times, Habakkuk. Though the stock market is down 30%. tree ain't budding no more. The stock market's not going up. My retirement's not looking good anymore. Though the tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, Man, just, it's not as enjoyable anymore. There, there, there isn't as many margins anymore. There, inflation's happening. What's going on? Though, though there's inflation, though the olive crops fail, though each political party keeps failing, look at this, oh, all these things that are supposed to provide, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Ooh, so many things that you could magnify. He goes, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes, me, makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights from the director of music on my stringed instruments. This next season, I believe that um, every day is a test. And one of the tests is there's always a joy test. One of the joy tests in my life is, am I going to magnify the world and be really sad or am I magnifying my God and realize there's a lot of great things coming? Now, I want to read you one more verse. It's in Philippians 4. I don't even think I um, emailed it, so it's not going to be on the screen. I'll read it to you. But Paul reveals the secret to joy, the secret. It's a very simple statement, but I didn't catch it this time until I saw I've learned the secret. That's maybe why not a lot of people are... um, that joyful. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I know how to live with no kids or with kids. I know how to live on nothing, no job or a job. I know how to live single or married. Nothing or everything. Because I've learned how to be joyful in both of those. i got the secret. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. My parents, every year uh, as a kid, uh, they would uh, try to have one big presence for all four kids at the very end and it would be hidden somewhere and we wouldn't know what was uh, there. We'd think we'd be done. And then they pull out the gift at the very end, and we'd all go nuts. One year, it was a Nintendo. And I remember, like, one of my favorite Christmas memories of my whole life. I think I'm seven or eight years old. And, we, you know, our presents, we'd open up throughout Christmas, like, socks, yay, toothbrush. I mean, when you are you got a budget, like, that's what you got to open up for your Christmas presents. And so none of us expected behind the tree, hidden somewhere, was that Nintendo. And so after that Christmas, every year, my parents, they, they set the bar. We get done, and we're like, there's one more, right? You're hiding it. You're hiding it. And so they knew that they had to find something out. They would either borrow money from my rich aunt and uncle, but they would always have one big gift now at the very end, because all of us kids looked forward to it. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, this one, it's been hidden from the world. This one, it's been behind the tree. People don't know the Lord. They see the tree. They don't see this gift. There's, it's, it's almost like a secret. But he's like, I found the secret, and I'm going to give it to you today. I'm going to make sure all of you have it. So like, I found this secret, whether it's full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. What is it? What is it? He's like, I found it. And it's not an it. I found a him. It's not a him. I found a Savior. His name is Jesus. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This Christmas season, if you're going to find anything, man, I pray that you find Jesus on a whole nother level. I pray that you find him in your prayer time. I pray you find him in, if you're not reading your Bible, I'll start reading your Bible. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. The more you get around kingdom people, the more and more you're going to find who this Jesus is. And if I could just encourage you today, if you're somebody who's been low joy, the pain of change is interesting. Most people don't change until the pain of staying the same is worse than change. If the stats are true, a lot of us need to change. A lot of us need to start organizing our life in a different way and start living our life in a different way so that we can be what the world needs, and that's a joyful, life giving Christian. Can you bow your heads to me? I don't know if it's your first time or second time in church, what's your third time, fourth time? If you've never said yes to Jesus, yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to curse, you never said yes to salvation, if you want to say yes to Jesus today with every head bowed and eye closed, that's a simple question. And it's a simple response of just raising your hand. Bible closed is clear there must be some response. You believe in your heart and confess your mouth. So if that's you today with every head bowed and eye closed, you want to say yes to Jesus today. On the count of three, raise it up and raise it high. One, two, three, raise it up and raise it high. I see you, and I see you, and I see you. It's a great decision. I see you on the right, I see you right there in the middle. Come on, I see you. Hands all over this morning, God bless you. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Second thing is, is I wanna pray for the people who are asking, me. I, I haven't been filled with joy this last season, and Pastor, would you pray that I would be filled with joy? Because the reality is we just, we're leaky people. Joy is not something that's a one deposit, it's a flowing thing. And so if you just are desiring to have more joy this Christmas, to give to people. You've been struggling with depression. Would you raise your hand? You've just been struggling with just being stagnant. Would you raise? I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for people in our church real quick. So God, right now with those hands lifted, God, I pray that you would open the door of wherever it is in their heart that they've closed off and God, you would replace whatever is in their heart with joy in this next season. God, I pray that the spirit of joy, that the peace of joy the person of joy, God. God, I pray it would permeate their house. It would permeate their car. God, I pray there would be a spiritual answer in the name of Jesus that joy would just be evident in their life. God, we love you. We thank you that you're the one that is the reason for the season. And everybody said, Hey, we you stand up? We're gonna pray. We always pray. We had too many people get saved today not to pray the prayer of salvation, okay? Repeat after me. If you just got saved, we're gonna hook you up with a great prayer. Ready? Jesus, come into my life. Today, I declare you are my Savior and I'm yours. Today, you are my source of joy. I say goodbye to my past and hello to my promises. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons.